Hello and welcome to the latest webinar in the New World Summit AI webinar series brought to you by Inspired Minds. We're delighted that today's webinar is producing partnership with Futurists and focus on AI in action, where we'll be looking at three different examples of how AI is effectively being deployed within the manufacturing sector to gain advantage. I'm John Spindler, I'm the CEO of Capital Enterprise, and I'll be your moderator for this next hour. So don't forget to send through your questions. We are really keen to kind of hear from as many people as possible, so do keep them coming. They'll be anonymous, so don't be shy. I'm sure you've got some really interesting basic questions and insights to share. So let me introduce you to our first speaker, who is Mika Rukunen, Artificial Intelligence Transformation Business Director from Futurize. And he's going to be speaking about Growth Reinvented, how to turn data and AI into money. Over to Mika. Hello there. Can you hear me? Can you see my screen? Hopefully, yes. All right. Hey, uh, hello, everyone. My name is Mika. Uh, I'm a futurist, uh, which is a digital innovation and, uh, and uh, engineering company. And uh, the, this, the story that I'm going to tell is about a book. So I'm writing a book with this title that is shown here. And this book, this book is laid to, for publication later this year. So Growth Reinvented, Turn Your Data and AI into, into Money. So I'm going to give a story, tell a story about what I've been doing the last seven months or so. And, and the topic of this presentation really is to, to explore how data and AI are changing what companies sell and how they make money. A little bit about me. So I have uh, a long background in the digital businesses and in, in originally in research and business development. I had some PNL responsibilities and uh, worked in the media industry in particular during quite some years. But now the during the last three and a half years, I've been working for Futurist, which is a Finland-based digital innovation and engineering agency. So basically, we build digital services or we, we innovate new digital services so we help companies to transform their businesses to a new modern state and these kind of things and uh, and uh, i've been working on data and ai enabled business models in november last year obviously if you are in a in a consulting firm such as futures you cannot fully avoid uh speaking or, or studying data and ai related topics but but now i really focused on on, on this and I'm, I'm going to share with you the the results of my work what I've been doing the last couple of months. So, well, that's it. I started in November last year when I started to study that, hey, what is the impact of data and AI on business models? The more I read, the more I studied, I started to realize that, well, well, data and AI are always kind of giving this promise that they will transform businesses and they will enable completely new business models. And if you ask, and ask the question that, what are those business models exactly? Then you get very little answer. So I, I started to structure my thinking around these bubbles that are here. So the two, two, two ones there on top of the third one. So, so what is sold and how money is made? So how can we use data and AI to build new offerings, change what we sell outside of the company? And the other one is that how can we build new revenue models? So, so explore how money is made. And, uh, and in contrast, I, I left deliberately out this, how work is done, which might be the third dimension here. So for example, optimization of operations or improvement of processes or 
data and AI enabled ways of working or such. I, I left out of my study. But I'm really focusing on these new business models, building on this traditional business model, innovation thinking, uh, the business model canvas and so on. And, and the reason why, so, so why would this be interesting? So the reason is that often when, when I speak with executives, they, they complain that they have invested in data and AI quite some time already and uh, made some progress, but they still don't get full value out of their data and AI assets. So, so I thought that I might be able to help them with this business model thinking. And, and I started in November, but then January onwards, I've been uh, having co-creation sessions with, with companies from various industry segments to understand what this really means in practice and, uh, and uh, what kind of things then are happening in the company. So, so the idea is to share with you some results of, of that work. And of course, then why this is important? Well, I, as I said, I started in November last year and, uh, and uh, then, then I was thinking, well, the, the, the com companies will have more and more uh, competition in the global market. So there will be commoditization of existing offerings. So there will be attitudes and expectations of companies changing. And then came the COVID uh, pandemic which changed basically many, many things. So, so nowadays, even this is even more important than ever before. So all companies should always be thinking that is our business model still valid? Or how could we, how could we, we think of the business model side of things? That, that is it still working? And, 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 and now during this pandemic, this is important. Well, let's go to the results. So as I said, I, I worked on these two bubbles. And then the first one was that, that what is the offering and, uh, and what is being sold? Here's a small structuring of, of thinking for you to consider. So I, I went through these kind of six things, six offerings, starting from the from left, uh, selling existing offerings. There's a Tesla example. So you know, if you if you are buying a car, that car comes with with data and AI assets. So it's being augmented by by these kind of functionalities. And uh, and and, the, and this is a way to to of course to use data and AI in offerings. The second one is this kind of pure data and analysis and reports. So selling data, there's a Roomba, uh, uh, a robotic vacuum cleaner, uh, mapping the, uh, the, the apartments, gathering data on them, and uh, then Roomba is selling this data on apartments to Apple, who is then, then developing these home appliances. So, so, so this is a pure selling data case. Then, then Tamro is a Finnish pharmaceuticals uh, distribution company, they are generating reports on, on, on what is the demand for pharmaceuticals, what is the supply, where, where there is a mismatch of those. Uh, selling platforms, selling data platforms, obviously we have Facebook example, which is kind of using data and AI to optimize advertising. But then also this Irish company, Eagle Alpha, is, is a super interesting one. They basically play a data broker role, so they are uh, matching companies who are providing data and then investors who are who are looking for data to, to support their decision making. Uh, selling uh, AI assets, first bit is a good example. Uh, they have this algorithmic offering, so, so they basically understand and, and, and try to collect data on, on how the human heart works and, uh, and mapping that and, uh, and then they have this algorithmic offering that they are offering to, to various uh, sports watch providers such as Sunto or, or, or these kind of companies. And then you might very well know that also these global cloud service providers such as AWS, they also have these algorithmic offerings there and plenty of AI cap capabilities that they sell. So here are some examples 
just want to highlight here that you know when I'm talking about this data and AI uh, enabled new business models, this is not just theory. So this is happening. There are plenty of examples of of this happening in companies already. And the, the examples that I gave here on the left hand side are more this kind of product business uh, type of a product focused business models where you, you can sell platforms like a product or you can sell assets like a product. But then when we go to the right hand side, then it gets more interesting. So here are these service oriented models such as selling and data and AI based consulting services. IBM, for example, is providing this kind of a service where you, IBM basically is saying to their customers, hey, please provide your data. We do the analysis work. We use our Watson assets and then we generate the report or then we then we provide you consulting services. So this is a kind of using data and AI to generate new new service business. Or then there's Orica, it's a blasting company. This is an interesting example. So the, so the, the company who is basically uh, uh, selling explosives, they are collecting data on blasting and then uh, helping their clients to op optimize their blasting performance, you know, how, how to do it safely and, uh, and in, a, in a proactive way. And then finally, if I go to the right hand side, then the, the sixth one is, is about selling outcomes or selling capacity. Again, it gets really interesting. So new ways of providing services to customers. The example above is about trains. Uh, there's a company called Cargotech, which is manufacturing these trains to the harbors of the world. Basically, they are selling that, yes, we are still selling this, these trains, but also you can buy the whole uh, harbor operating service. So we provide the, the cranes and the, the, the software, the, the maintenance services and the full package. Oman, trucks and bus. Yes, you can still buy a truck, but, but thanks to data and AI, they learn how the customers are using their trucks and they also are changing their business models sometimes in, in that way that they, they're actually providing uh, trucks per hour per day. So you don't have to own anymore, so you can just use. But data and AI are the enables here, of course. Uh, if I then go to the next one, a little bit more about you know how these things come together. So here, is, is then then I, I spoke about these offerings, these are the columns, and if you then think about this other bubble that I started with, this how money is made, then you have many revenue model options. This is a bit complicated slide, no need for you to, to learn everything by heart in this session, but just want to tell you that, that these combinations are interesting. So if you are selling, for example, data platforms, so you're thinking of launching a platform offering, then you can see from here that, hey, there might be several good revenue model options that I might Use. For example, using a freemium model or using a monthly subscription model or maybe a brokerage fee. So whenever there's a transaction, I get a fair share of, of the money and these kind of things. And these combinations are important. So how can you build a coherent commercialization plan where you have the offering and then you choose a revenue model that matches with that. And this is a playing field. There's no right or wrong. There's no maturity or certain predefined path. Uh, and, and, and obviously companies can just choose. They can think about their business, their assets, the readiness of their customers, what, what would they buy, and then pick and, pick and mix these various options. And some of them are more kind of likely and probable and, uh, and uh, useful. The, the pink ones, the green ones are more kind of also worth testing. So sometimes it makes sense to just test some, some of those and, uh, and see if they work. This business model overturn, the last, the, the row, uh, in at the bottom is is maybe a particular one. So there, basically, you are giving everything else for free just to get valuable data to be commercialized somewhere. 
somehow and, and with some party. So this is a, is a very modern and rather radical new business model to, to, to consider. All right. Cool. Hey, uh, then one important topic. So you saw the playbook here and, uh, and uh, as I said, I'm writing a book. So so all these different models are explained in the book and then there are various combinations of these new offerings, uh, the new revenue models, all of them, they are enabled by data and AI. So 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 this is the kind of the way to, to use and harness them for changing the business. But then one important angle is this culture and leadership. So so the more there is data and AI involved and, and used in, in, in firms, the more it's about, you know, how do you lead the firm? And starting from the left-hand side is the, this classic industrial model where this kind of top management decides and uh, there's plenty of planning. Uh, they are big, big siloed organizations and, uh, and uh, corporate style of, of leadership. When I, well, I think the, the futurist style perhaps is the one that resembles the, the, the column in the middle. So more focused on experimenting and innovation and small autonomous entrepreneurial teams. And then finally, this data and AI uh, focused model which is more about prediction or, or finding data or, or calculating probabilities and these kind of things and coordinating operations thanks to data and AI. And the key message here is that if you in your firms think about these, these new data and AI in business models whether product oriented or service oriented I think it, it makes perfectly sense to think about this right hand side and the column in the middle so enable innovation and exploration of new business opportunities and listening to customers but then the right hand side so we kind of raise the data literacy in the firm so that you 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 start to see the opportunities related to data and then you'll also learn how to provide those assets to the customers as well all right good hey a few examples still so you saw the playing field and the playbook and these various options but some things might work better than the others. So maybe here a few highlights. Sell customers their own data back. If you don't, don't have any other business models, then this might be the one to, to try. So you collect data on your customers and see what kind of analysis you can make, what kind of recommendations, and uh, and uh, and then, then make a payable offering in which your customers are buying their own data back. This is, here's an industrial example, but but if you have like uh, data from your, your machines or your, your equipment that you provide to your customers, you might analyze the data and provide recommendations. And then that might be your data and AI enabled business. The other one is this build the data and AI optimized platform to match supply and demand. The, the classic example, of course, is Airbnb and Uber, but there are plenty of other examples too. And, and also in this heavy, heavy industry as well. I, I had a very good discussion with one company that, that was operating this, this asset-heavy industries and they saw these this assets there in the marketplace and they wanted to, to match supply and demand. Uh, build data and AI optimize service concept, replace ownership with access. Do, is it always necessary that, that somebody owns everything or is it better to have, have this kind of a, access to something and use data and AI to optimize where all these assets are and then turn turn your business from product business to this kind of service business where, where you provide access to some, some assets. Well, finally, turn your core competency to an algorithm. One option there as well, that hey, can you actually uh, define how your operations work? For example, I had a very good discussion with a pharmaceuticals, uh, sorry, healthcare company, who basically said that, well, we actually can predict illnesses from our data. So we see the risks of people, we see the, the data, and we can say, that, okay, this person has a risk of 
of, of getting a disease. And, and now they are trying to see that, okay, could we use this algorithmic offering and, and provide to some other parties as well who might be, who might benefit from that. All right. This is basically it. So, so I've been working on, on, on these new business models. Uh, there's a book coming out. Uh, this is a super interesting topic. Uh, this is very interesting and very relevant also now during these pandemic times when companies should be constantly looking at their business models and thinking that are they still valid? Yes, an opportunity to build, to build new scalable recurring revenue streams and uh, and expand the digital strategy or expand from the current business and uh, provide significant value to customers and also to reposition the company. But at the same time, often this means that we need to lead in a different way. We need to build our competence. We need to teach our customers to buy in a new way or, or we need to balance between these legacy businesses and the new data and AI businesses. And, 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 and take a proper change management approach and, and, and do the transformation. Obviously, if you are moving from product business to service business or vice versa, that's a big, big transformation. But with these words, this was my presentation. Uh, here's a link to the uh, landing page of my book. So if you're interested in reading or if you want to know more about these new data and AI in every business models, feel free to contact me. Thanks. Hello, fantastic. Uh, very interesting, Mika. Um, we've got some uh, a few questions, and I was actually personally very interested in in what you were saying how AI itself can be business model transforming. Um, and I suspect you're saying something what happened with cloud, uh, how it affected business is now going to happen or is happening with AI. Um, and I particularly thought the interesting thing you were talking about movement from capex to opex business models. And the last one I thought was really interesting, which I'd like to explain a little bit more and see if you like me, you think that might have the biggest impact, which is where you're actually selling outcomes and capacity as opposed to basically just selling a, a data or a service. Do you want to tell us a little bit about more? Because I think you were saying, and I agree, but that is going to be the more fundamental change. I think it is. And I think this massive business opportunity, if, if you think about the global economy, for example. So, so there are these big, big industrial firms around the world and, and they've been traditionally selling products or focusing on, on, on optimizing their product development processes and, and uh, fine tuning their technology. But if they radically think that now they have these data and AI assets and they know so much about their customers already and they can analyze and, and start to see these patterns that how are our customers really using our products in which, in which kind of circumstances so when do they need maintenance so how could we actually provide this kind of full service concepts where we are not selling products anymore but we are selling a, a package where we, and by the way, these companies often also have these software development capabilities in place already. So they may have many of these elements or, or even the maintenance services all the time. So now might be a great opportunity to bundle these things, that, you know, and, and also move to from product sales to, for example, the recurring revenue. So you, you are not charging for products, but you are charging a monthly fee or yearly fee. So these kind of new business models would be super interesting. So in essence, uh, is cloud really facilitated the movement to SaaS, software as a service? AI is going to be facilitated particularly uh, basically to, to outcome-related basically value propositions and outcome-related business models. 
Oh yes, and this 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 cloud transformation is a, is a big big enable of everything because in the past all the data used to be in, in servers or, or scattered around, but now that it's centralized, now it's in the cloud, it's easier to analyze, it's easier to find these patterns. So definitely, this cloud transformation a big big enable of 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 these kind of new new business models. I said the final question for me because we've got the next. Just when's your book out? When uh, when can people get hold of it and? Uh and read it what's the uh, what's the you know deadline for that well it looks to me that we, we uh, get the content finalized by the end of august and then in september we, we shall do some some fine tuning and printing and and, and finally hopefully uh, uh, by the end of august or early september it should be, be ready well i look forward to uh, basically uh, hopefully getting a copy for a preview copy because it sounds really interesting thank you ever so much thank you mika thank you so much okay we're going to go on now to our, our, our next speaker, uh, basically. Um, um, so up next, we have Helena uh, Gillibur, who's the Senior Director at, for Digital Transformation Edge Solutions at Schneider Electric. And he's gonna tell us about using AI at the edge. And obviously, if anyone knows, edge is a massive, basically, opportunity as well as a challenge at the moment. And he's going to look at particularly how it can boost operational efficiency. Don't forget, keep those questions going. So over to Helena. Thanks, John, and uh, hello, everybody. Uh, thank you for allowing me to spend some time talking about this uh, uh, very interesting topic. So because this is a fairly short presentation, I wanted to make sure you have some contact details. So I'm trying to go really um, quickly uh, through this topic, but uh, as you can imagine, uh, we can spend probably hours just talking about some of the elements we're going to touch here. So feel free to reach out if you want to continue this discussion, you want to share some ideas, uh, learn a, a little bit more about our experiences and so on. So I, and also, uh, I'm happy to connect uh, through LinkedIn with anybody that wants to do that. So when we talk about AI, Edge, and uh, uh, part of that uh, story is also cloud computing and how it's uh, changing our industry. I think it's very important to talk a little bit uh, about context first. What's the context in which we are operating today, in which we are developing these type of solutions and uh, trying to help our customers in? And uh, as we all very aware lately, there's been a significant uh, change over the last just few months, but uh, most of the things that you see in the screen right now uh, have been valid and have been drivers uh, for uh, in, the, in the industry and, and, and all our operators uh, for a long time. Uh, and uh, what we're seeing now is the uh, urgency on trying to realize some of these gains and trying to realize some of these objectives uh, have just increased. And, and let's go really quickly through some of these just to understand what they mean. Uh, so the, the first one is, it's critical these days, so it's to reduce your production cost and remain competitive. And uh, with the current COVID uh, uh, pandemic situation, this has changed a little bit, not just to remain competitive, but even just to remain viable. So it's very important that uh, um, you have the flexibility you need to continue operations under, under very, very demanding situations. And this is very, very much tied 
to the flexible optimization strategy. So if you come from an industrial space, which is uh, where we operate, uh, Schneider Electric, and the unit I'm in specifically, um, your traditional optimization strategies has always been, uh, let's produce the most we can. Let's uh, make sure our assets are utilized to the uh, maximum capacity and keep the throughput as high as possible, which is, it's a very valid and necessary optimization strategy. But I would argue that today, uh, you need more flexibility rather than maximizing throughput, right? So flexibility to choose how you need to optimize your operation, whether it's maximizing throughput or minimizing and optimizing your energy usage, or have an asset-centric optimization strategy where you maximize the lifetime of your assets. Uh, and this may change very quickly depending on the uh, situation uh, that most of the time is outside of the control of companies, right? So companies that can react and change quickly are the ones that are going to finish ahead of this, uh, this uh, uh, current situation. Right now. Of course, safety is always present and it's always important to all operations. So uh, we always have to make sure that whichever optimization strategy we take, uh, it is safe, it's safely implemented and it improves our safety. Another challenge that is uh, becoming more relevant these days uh, is, in especially in certain industries, uh, oil and gas being one of them, for example, is scarcity and cost of experienced resources. Uh, we're seeing a trend of uh, new generations uh, um, not being as interested as previously in terms of entering these uh, industries. Or we're seeing also the baby boomers retiring. And, and again, the current situation ha may have accelerated all of them. So capturing that knowledge and capturing that experience is becoming a mission critical uh, aspect on, uh, on companies today. And the last one is <laughs> it's very much relevant in, the, in, in today's world, which is now, you know, not, not only do you need your flexibility and you know, you're dealing with the scarcity of uh, experienced resources, but now you also need to be able to operate your assets remotely, or in many cases, ideally, completely autonomously. So hopefully all these things give you a, a good uh, background in terms of why the things that we're gonna talk about are so important today, and how are they relevant to, to businesses as we move forward. And companies that can solve all of these issues will end up ahead. And uh, we are in the middle of an incredible time in terms of innovation and technology development, right? So uh, the industry, specifically around industrial automation, is very much ripe for disruption. And uh, there's several aspects that contribute to this. Um, and uh, we heard a little bit in the previous presentation around uh, cloud computing and how it's enabled some of the new business models and uh, um, it accelerated the innovation cycle uh, that we're currently in. And that is all true, but it has actually uh, it, more than just an effect on how you operate your, your companies or your process or your plans. Um, it lowers obviously your your costs and it converts some of it from uh, your typical uh, capex into opex and all those things. 
But if you think about how this uh, cloud computing environment has evolved, now you're seeing the emergence of these global players like uh, uh, Microsoft or AWS and others. And uh, it has had a compounding effect, effect on the speed of innovation because the cost of entry to um, the barrier of entry to start innovating and developing solutions that take advantage of these new technologies is decreasing. It's actually trending almost to zero. And uh, anyone can sign up and start uh, developing solutions uh, and uh, innovating on technologies through this cloud revolution that we have been going through for the last few years. Now, the big change that's happening is uh, we're seeing the resurgence of edge computing, where we are extending those capabilities that cloud computing has brought into uh, the edge of the process itself, where we can extend not just uh, having to move all their data back into a cloud and process all the, uh, all the data there and gain the value only for assets where you can actually execute that data transmission, but now you can extend those capabilities and execute those workloads directly by the asset with edge computing. So edge computing is a little bit different than uh, uh, your traditional automation. Like if you think about industrial automation, we've been doing something very similar to IoT for the last 10, 15 years. So it's the concept is not new in industrial automation, but how you apply these technologies and the cost of those technologies the barrier of entry to those technologies is coming down, and that's what's causing this disruption. And uh, uh, that goes back a little bit to the constraints we used to have, and why uh, we couldn't do some of the things we can do now with cloud and edge. And uh, that brings me to AI. So AI is not new either. So AI has been around for a long time. What is new is that now it can take all these uh, algorithms and machine learning models and I can encapsulate them very easy, simple, and deploy them right by the asset. And uh, where before uh, the costs of deploying the commons infrastructure, the cost of bringing all that data back and forth were prohibitive, today that barrier is falling down. So now I have access to all these assets, all these processes that before I could just not afford to optimize uh, because the technology was not there. And uh, if it was, it was just uh, too expensive to deploy uh, compared to the gains that I could expect out of those assets and limitations. So right now is the time to invest in this technology. And uh, we are in an era of exponential innovation growth. And there's a, an incredible, incredible ecosystem of startups and also established uh, industrial uh, and organizations that are innovating in this space. So I'm going to talk a little bit about our experience now and uh, how we deploy this and what we've learned. And uh, because we focus on industrial automation, we started uh, uh, with use cases in the oil and gas industry. Uh, and we're now expanding to other segments, but uh, we started specifically in oil and gas production last year. And uh, we took uh, very consciously assets that were distributed uh, remotely and that had challenging uh, connectivity issues. So again, uh, they were assets that usually had limited optimization because of those technology constraints that used to exist. Then what we did is we took off-the-shelf uh, 
edge gateways, edge controllers, uh, which are industrial PCs that you can deploy in these uh, industrial environments, uh, and started developing machine learning models and AI to optimize not only your traditional um, maintenance type approach on the assets, which has been around forever, but we're now combining information from the mechanical, electrical, and production aspects of that asset. And then we're trying to do and provide the, the end user the ability and the flexibility to optimize the asset for whichever strategy they need. Right? So whether it is maximizing production, whether it is minimizing energy costs, or it is extending the lifetime of that specific pump. And they can change that strategy as required. And uh, really what we're doing here is uh, um, mixing two strategies around machine learning. So we have an unsupervised uh, model and phase in that we deploy our solution in, and then we have a supervised uh, learning phase. And I'm going to go into a little bit more detail on why we do that later on. And really what we're doing is a multivariable time series correlation analysis on uh, this combination of electrical, mechanical, and production. And we created a platform that uh, we can deploy these models in, and we're trying to use as many open standards uh, as we can, for example, uh, packaging this application in Docker containers and deploying them at the edge controllers. And then we mix this with expert workflows to provide full autonomous control when very quickly, this is how it looks in real life. So you have your traditional automation um, infrastructure in place with an RTU. Um, the power connects to the drive that's connected to the pump and actuating the, the motor in the pump. And all we did is we added uh, an IoT edge controller into the control panel. And then we're exchanging information between your traditional automation infrastructure and devices with this new edge controller and running AI and machine learning directly in that controller and uh, then communicating up to the cloud and through that cellular using there. So how does this look like from a process perspective? Uh, as I said, we have an unsupervised and supervised uh, uh, phase in, in our models and the deployment of the solution. And we think this is extremely important because part of the success of deployment of this type of technologies is to make sure that you involve the operator. That is not a black box solution, but it's something that the operator can influence. And as they do so, capture that expertise and experience of the, the operator in the model itself so that we're helping our, our customers also not just uh, optimize the process, but optimize the process based on the knowledge of their own operators, so that we can take that expertise and then replicate it across all of their assets. So what we do is the unsupervised models will do uh, abnormal event detection, will highlight those events to the operator, and then the operator will label them and also describe the event and the solution to the event. And that's how we then start building models classify automatically the events and then execute uh, expert workflows to either mitigate, prevent, or get us out of that abnormal operation. And uh, we truly believe that uh, for these type of solutions to be accepted and adopted in the market, 
you have to have the combination of the two of the two methods. So what did we observe as we have been doing these projects with our customers? And uh, uh, the first one is that uh, uh, this is something that is uh, interesting. You always see, you know, oh, we're going to increase your production by X percent or do this by Y percent. But the results are extremely variable and it depends a lot of the starting point of the assets at the beginning and the level of the expertise of the operator at the beginning. Um, but uh, results, we have seen anything from, uh, in specifically in this uh, production, decline of the, uh, um, reduction of the decline uh, in, the, in the wells to increase in productions up to 25% in the, in the most extreme case that we have observed. And uh, as I said, Trust is the key, and trust is our biggest barrier on adoption of these new technologies. And making the operators part of the solution is the best way to mitigate that construction, that problem. Right? So make sure that they understand why the model are taking the decisions they're taking, uh, and seeing that they are actually reproducing the process that they facilitated and to train the model. We also seen that by mixing unsupervised and supervised, you start with a set library of events and those events get expanded. So whatever the customer gets with our solution is not gonna be the same thing they got on day one, but the solution will start expanding as they get trained and more events are identified and interacts more with the operator. So that's another of the key value propositions and, and um, how customers need to understand that the more they use it, the more they invest in the tool, the better. And uh, really, the last comment here is uh, uh, another comment or another misconception around AI is that you can just deploy this one model and the one model will be good for anything, everywhere, all the time. That's just not true. That's, again, another reason why we picked this uh, combination in, of unsupervised and supervised training to make sure that we fine-tune and adapt each model to a specific asset as they are used. And just a, a little bit of, again, continue the observations of well, what type of engagements have been successful and what do we need to make sure that uh, whenever we start deploying these new technologies, um, we maximize the, our chance of success. And, and really, the key for any and all of these projects for success is to make sure we start always with a business problem, not the technology. Whenever I see companies well, trying to... Well, Helena, yeah. we probably need to end on that actually, kind of uh, yeah, as we come to end. Do you want to just do you want to just summarize and then we can uh, yes. basically? Yeah, so and, and this is the last slide, so that's good timing. So really start small, start with a business problem, make sure you partner with the right uh, companies to implement this, and make sure you're part of the solution. Like right? it cannot be a platform. Uh, that's really all. And, and, and the success is around people, not the technology. Okay, I, I thought that was very fascinating. And I'm afraid um, this format does not allow as many questions. I'm sure like yourself, uh, basically, you would want to ask quite a few questions. I thought there's some very interesting thing about the uh, trade-off between flexibility and maximizing efficiency that COVID has produced. And love to have had time to explore to Helian how he is addressing that. I mean, on the practical issues, as you mentioned, basically doing it on the edge, using unsupervised and supervised, there's a whole wealth of diving in there we could look oh, at yes. about how <laughs> to do that and the, and the challenges and the time it takes and the transfer of learning from one 
basic uh, basically kind of facility to the next. But I'm yes. afraid, apart from raising those, and is that we just don't have the time. So I'm just going to say thank you ever so much. Hopefully, basically, maybe some questions we can answer out of this. And then he has given his contact details. So please do get in touch. Fascinating talk. Thank you ever so much. Thank you very much. So we come to our final presentation. And basically, I'm absolutely uh, delighted uh, to welcome Deepa Rani, who is in Bangalore at the moment in India. Uh, she's from Shell AI. She's the manager there. And she's going to tell us about how Shell AI, this wonderful unit in Shell, is accelerating Shell's digital transformation. So I'm, for one, I'm very much looking forward to this talk. Over to you, Deepa. Thank you. Thank you so much, Don, for the wonderful introduction. Hi, everyone. Glad to connect with you as part of this webinar. We are in unprecedented time. I hope you are safe and healthy while watching this webinar. Like many of you, I am also working from home, like another 90,000 colleagues at Shell. It's quite fascinating to see how it got transformed drastically within a very short span of time towards online and virtual. The one common theme in this transition is digital technology is playing a key enabler role in this business continuity. So that is what we are going to talk about today. Um, before we start, this is a cautionary note. The company, yeah. Um, as an organization, we are in the middle of a rapid change. Energy transition and digitalization are the two key megatrends which is going to impact in the coming decade. Both will have a profound impact in the way we are living our life. What is happening now is that huge data explosion leading to a radical transformation in the information technology. Currently, we are having around 33 zettabyte of data in the world right now, which is growing and expected to grow around 175 zettabyte by 2025. Especially this information, which is changing the way we are working because the huge vast volume of data, which is making the information accessible to the technologist at the same time, algorithm much, much smarter. We are very fortunate to spot this potential opportunity well ahead of our competitors. And uh, we formed an innovation team in 2019. Um, I mean, focusing mainly on the emerging technology space. Data science or emerging technology is not new for Shell. Like we have expertise in statistics or data science from 1970s onwards, actually. What we have done as part of this is the experts who are in different teams, we converge them under one umbrella called Digital Center of Excellence so that we can have a relentless focus on um, the emerging technology related kind of projects and how we can add value for Shell. So uh, in, the, in that space, in the Digital Center of Excellence space, we have projects from blockchain, IoT and AI. It's a complete spectrum. But for this webinar, we are focusing only on AI predominantly. Before stepping into the use cases, I want to take you uh, with me along the journey that like what we have done, how we have done, because um, as part of your organization, you will be some way halfway through in the transition or digitalization journey towards digitalization. Definitely there will be some takeaway for you as part of our journey. So I'd like to take you uh, along with that. So this is to give an, a complete understanding of end-to-end -end solution. Uh, the data could be from different sources. It's not only structured data now. It could be from IoT, robotics. There are multiple sources we can get the data. The company who harness the power of the data and able to process it and give the business insight is the one is going to impact 
and uh, make a change and drive values so what we have done is the ultimate motto or the ultimate aim of having a digital technology is how we are influencing the business decisions and driving the business value that is the underlying part like we are looking for especially for us it's very critical the reason behind us um, i mean world is expecting more and cleaner energy from shell so we are taking it as like priority and driving it so i mean coming to a digital transformation if someone wants to create an ai kind of solution for example anyone can create a proof of concept or a rapid prototype because there are multiple uh, open sources are available anyone can create it to cater to a local business needs but the the main thing is if you want to create an impact at a scale it's a different ball game altogether the first starting point is identifying a right problem statement because in ai kind of space there are a lot of cool solutions or interesting problem to solve but the main thing is identifying the right problem to solve and which is especially should deliver value and it should be scalable and replicable also so to to start this i mean a data scientist or an ai engineer shouldn't do this on their own actually i mean it's mentioned in the other presentation also it shouldn't start from technology it should start from business so ideally it should start from business in our case like we created a digital roadmap for each our businesses work very closely with the business identify what are all the problems which will add value and then we started from there onwards and then once i mean this slide to give an idea once the problem is like shortlisted and narrowed down within a two two years of time what we have done is we have matured many solutions from the proof of concept to minimum viable product and good amount of solutions are in the scale up and replicate mode this is to give an idea of an end to end um, around like 280 plus opportunities are there in shell right now in in flight mode right now uh, but while delivering value side we hand pick the solution though there are many solutions available we hand pick so that we will give focused attention to the particular kind of solution and we can scale it up our machine learning models are hungry and there are more and more models are getting created so i would like to share with you what are all the things you need to take care of as part of the foundational things to be successful um to start with three things we need to take care of people process and platform let's start with people uh while recruitment we are very clear we want to hire a multidisciplinary skill set as part of Uh, the recruitment actually we have around 350 members as part of the team across four different hubs we ensure like they are from different backgrounds so that an end to end ai solution needs a different mindset to deliver it and second one is we have launched a shell.ai residency program to hire the talent attract the talent from university directly especially phd's and postdocs that is one program which launched which is very very helpful and third one is building a culture a conducive culture like where the information is shared with a wider shell not within the team like it's a wider shell uh, what we have done is like around um, we are having a shell.ai networking community which is having around 3200 members we leverage the community to share the knowledge success stories failure stories also so that you won't repeat the mistakes best practices uh, interesting information or technological information we use the community to share the information to the wider shell and second one is coming to process creating a standardized procedure or common way of working will definitely help i mean to start with 
uh, a common data structure a tool technology or a platform kind of thing will help you to um, help the seamless flow of information from one department to another department seamlessly yeah that really helped it will help to share the information across uh, across the discipline teams it will be more helpful coming to the platform which is the third thing we are very sure time is precious our data scientists or ai engineers shouldn't focus on like what are all the tools available can i use this tool within shell kind of uh, thought process they shouldn't waste that time so what we have done is it's created a shell.ai platform it's not one platform it's multiple platform where based on the problem statement they can pick and choose what kind of tools they need to solve the problem so that that energy will get channelized only on solving the problem not on like picking the tools on technology to uh, give an example um, shell.ai self service is having around 1100 citizen data scientists who is leveraging the platform similarly like uh, last year uh, we partnered or selected c3.ai which is running on microsoft azure as our partners for um, mega kind of solution deployments like uh, azure kind of deployments we have selected c3.ai so that that is from the platform side so far everything going fine and uh, our data science capability got recognized um, by hackett last year externally and uh, our inventory optimization tool got a supply chain excellence award last year and moreover from a value standpoint uh, we have like booked around like around 1 billion of value i mean reducing the cost increasing the efficiency and uh, reliability like that like we have showed the value this number is only 2019 alone and um, i mean it's very very clear that we are in the beginning stage i mean there is significant opportunity in the years to come what we are noticing during this journey is it's pretty much clear the digital technology or investing in digital technology is not an option anymore definitely not post covid at all actually it's mandatory it's essential especially for shell to become a world class investment and to retain our license to operate so i would like to get into the use case which is what you are waiting for uh, so this is one of the use case which i mentioned earlier as part of c3.ai platform in the previous slide this is one of the mega implementation like we have done um, proactive technical monitoring is there in the industry and shell also for a long time what we have done is we enabled it enabled it and enriched with ai and machine learning models uh, to give a scale level understanding we are aggregating around 1 trillion data rows from the sensors which is growing at a pace of 1 billion data rows on a weekly basis which is collected from around 1300 equipments across 15 different assets we collect the information and process it which is um, executed on thousands of models to actively monitor the uh, equipments which is in the assets right now so as a conceptual level it's pretty much simple uh, the sensors shares the data which is collected from assets and equipments and processes to a central repository the time consuming process of uh, cleansing it clearing it and making it ready structurize it which is consumable for machine learning which is highly automated so that any site engineer can run the model or train the model on their own at the same time if they want to create a tailor based model also they can do it comfortably within a very short span of time so coming back to the model once the data is ready the machine learning models are trained what is the normal behavior and what is the abnormal behavior if it is a normal behavior in the diagram or in the slide if you see it will be at the center 
so everything going fine if it is an abnormal behavior it will be identified and it will be notified to the site engineer there is some abnormalities that needs to be attended while the notification is sent there are two information sent one is which unit is behaving very worldly which needs attention and is what is the probability of getting a trip or a failure and second information is what is the potential root cause for the issue it's not that telling there is an issue at the same time what is the potential area you can go and explore to sort that out before the malfunction happens so that is also shared this is helping the site engineers to uh, avoid a trip or a failure i mean hours or weeks or months in advance actually um, i would like to give a return on investment and give you an idea initially this was created as a proof of concept for centrifugal compressors and control valves uh, it was a minimum viable product created in three months the return on investment which is um, i mean reached or i mean benefited within couple of weeks because the machine learning models able to identify three potential trips in two different assets which is averting around 3 million revenue disruption actually like uh, by avoiding a I mean potential production deferment so think about the scale it is replicated across that search right now it is already replicated in like 15 assets think about the entire assets all the assets are replicated think about the scale so we know the potential so we are this is as part of our digital roadmap which i mentioned earlier it is under the roadmap and um, we are having plans to replicate the centrifugal compressors and control valves and some other equipments by another three years like we are having the plan in place right now and uh, we will go to the next use case which is um, on the customer experience space and digital technology at shell is exciting everyday basis we evaluate the use cases from machine vision or the nlp kind of use cases but the one domain which is very closer to my heart and really love to talk about is customer domain as such in customer domain the ai space we do a lot of project especially to understand the customer pattern energy consumption and what kind of interaction shell and customers are having with shell there are multiple projects are going on one project which i would like to highlight is go plus it's a new loyalty program which we launched in london last year march we have launched in london which is the best example like to share how the digital technology is used for a personalized customer experience so as part of this app what we have done is with the permission of the customer we we analyzed all the transaction which is done by the customers and then give a personalized offers and reward to the customer based on their preferences and then overall aggregated data also we give a personalized reward it's not stopping there with the machine learning app we continuously understand whether the offer is selected or not and having a continuous conversation on engagement with the customer is the activity we do as part of this project uh, we are in early stage though and we are still learning because it's it's not a completion of a project it's a journey end to end journey we know that we are continuing the conversation the initial numbers are quite positive around 1.36 million customers registered for the program out of which 900k are active customers and 16 million digital rewards we have given and 90% of the customer opted for the communication which is well beyond the industry benchmarks driven by the two major things like energy transition and digitalization we likely to see the remaking of the energy system in the over time now industry boundaries are blurring 
I mean, companies are repositioning themselves for protecting and growing the margin. We are seeing two type of contenders. One is like long-term competitors. Another one is digitally tech-savvy new entrants. Shell's expertise and deep understanding in the energy system. And um, its passion towards technology. At the same time, expertise in assets and integration base places Shell in a very competitive position and comfortable and compete in this digital future. In closing note, we are excited. We are excited by the capability and community we are building, excited about the value which we are delivering as part of this program already. And moreover, more excited about what are all the opportunities and the potential is yet to be realized with this emerging technology. Let's make the future. Thank you, John, over to you for questions. Deeper, I thought that was wonderful. Very, very interesting. Uh, one question that struck me is how important you increasingly are to Shell if you're saving them a billion dollars basically per annum. What's in your pipeline? Where do you think the next big basic opportunities are for you to, to make Shell money? What's what's coming up in the next 18 months? Yeah, so Shell, it's, it's, it's a complete range of line of businesses we are having, John. So it's starting from refinery, we have new energies. So there is no um, death of opportunity there. Instead of like us, a Shell.ai team or a digital COE, we selecting a problem. We strongly partner with business. We work closely with them. And based on the business priority, we decide where we want to invest. In Especially in AI kind of space, we should be flexible to change our journey also based on the need. So that we are very clear. And then we are moving towards with the business as a journey together. So, so your, your approach is very much business first. It's basically identifying the problem. And, and it was interesting to understand that particularly you're focused on uh, basically generating new insights and generating customer uh, basically decision support uh, software to allow basic major decisions to be made at a more optimum, more uh, flexible and a more uh, uh, apt time. Uh, are you also looking at other areas such as using AI to automate? Yeah, so um, I mean, we have multiple digital themes based on the businesses we have. Digitized process is also one of the theme we are having as part of the equation. Um, I mean, digital CO is one umbrella, multiple digital themes under that who focuses on that. So automation is also part of the equation there. And the final question for me is obviously you started off by saying what's essential for your team. And you really, I thought it was very important that you focus on the talent and, a, yeah. and a basically getting some of the best talent. And this program you mentioned very quickly in passing, but you, you have to kind of acquire even more time. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, Shell.ai residency program is one program which we have launched two years back in the US, which we got very good talent, especially from academia, like PhDs and postdocs we got from the university directly, which we felt very good program to connect with. So that got replicated. Even the program got replicated and scaled up in NL and UK. We are planning to launch in India as well. So as part of the program, um, it's like it's a long process recruitment. It's very stringent recruitment you need to get through. After getting through, uh, you will get an opportunity to work in the real time problem and coached by a principal and seasoned data scientist and the AI engineers. At the same time, you'll get trained as well. The best part is 
you will get a rotation basis so that like a, i mean within a two years you will work in different engagements so that you will get a wide opportunity to work with and second thing is anyone who wants to be in this uh, kind of like people wants to enter into this space they usually look for two things either they will look for a domain for example i'm a petrochemical engineer or i am um, an, a new energy specialist or sustainability specialist i want a variety of problem in that space is one kind of ask another ask would be i'm a machine vision specialist i'm an nlp specialist so this program gives flexibility in both because of the nature of the business shell is involved you can pick and choose one is business need and second one is your interest based on that it gives an option for you to choose and work on variety of problem within a very short span of time and guided by seasoned specialist also and we have a good amount of uh, residents at home right now like we are they are working in different assets and markets with us around okay. 10 so percent already the, the, the simple thing you're, you're looking for more people to join shell get in touch exactly. basically it's a great opportunity to work on some super exciting projects exactly Okay, well, thank you all. I think that comes to the end of today. So I'm just going to basically say a little bit about what's coming up. So uh, we've had some great speakers. I thought you thought they were all very interesting. I think the slides will be shared. Our next webinar in this uh, series at the New World Summit AI is basically next week on the uh, 17th of June, where we'll be looking at the business use case examples of AI with speakers from Circle KI and circle k sorry and artificial solutions we very much hope you can join us it is free of charge for that one apparently so i didn't know that that's so even better and don't forget in the interim we'd love for you to engage and network with our global community which you can do at either go into our twitter handle which is at world summit ai or use hashtag wsai20 thank you ever so much thank you for me kind of um, basically uh, have a good day.